0: Welcome to the Boosting Business Breakthroughs podcast, where coaches gain the confidence, motivation, and expertise to make their next business breakthrough. I am your host, Lori Young, certified master marketer, business growth coach, and all-around truth teller. Breakthroughs can come with flashes of absolute clarity, sudden shifts in mindset, learning new skills, changes in habits, or anything else that changes the course of your coaching business. So if you're ready to be inspired and breakthrough to your next level of growth, let's go. Welcome to Episode 9 of the Boosting Business Breakthroughs Podcast for Coaches. Today, we are going to be talking about data all things data may not sound like a sexy topic however it is a critical topic for us to talk about when it comes to business growth it is so so important that we are looking at the data in our business because this is what drives decisions this is what helps us understand what's working and what's not working in our in our business and i think a lot of coaches are missing this very, very important element. And I have a great expert with us today, Kiva Slade, uh, and she knows all about the data. Her whole business is built on uh, analyzing data. And so I'm going to introduce her and then we'll kind of dive into uh, who Kiva is. So Kiva Slade is the owner and founder of the 516 Collaborative specializing in providing comprehensive support to small business owners at the intersection of data and operations. With a master's degree in public administration and certifications as a director of operations and online business manager, Kiva brings over 20 years of experience from the public and private sectors. Throughout her career, Kiva has demonstrated a remarkable ability to drive results and achieve success, whether as a legislative director for a member of Congress or as the chief encouragement officer for her children. I love that. When not immersed in business endeavors, you can find Kiva savoring gluten-free desserts or engrossed in the pages of a captivating book. Her passion for helping entrepreneurs thrive and her commitment to excellence make her an invaluable asset to any business seeking growth and operational excellence. So welcome, Kiva, to to the show. Why don't you tell us just a little bit about you and your business? How did you come to be like a data expert?
1: Hey, Lori, I am so excited to be here. And so thank you so much for having me. And yeah, I think I've been a data nerd since I was young. <laughs> if we're honest, you know, it's like that one child who's walking around with the notepad and it's like writing all the notes and keeping track of things. That would have been me. Okay. Um, yeah. And so I think a lot of it, though, also stemmed just in grad school, looking at various, um, in my particular case, we had a lot of internships. And I was at the Housing Authority of Baltimore City at the time when welfare to work was happening. So, yes, I'm aging myself and dating myself here. So, for those who may not know, back in 1996, um, or the 1900s, as my kids like to say sometimes, (laughs) (laughs) you know, we had this huge, massive public policy push that really... As a lot of things, and we see this even in business, we see it in government, something sounds great up top, but it doesn't really make its way down to the bottom. And how is it going to actually be implemented? How are we going to make it happen? And one of the things was actually working with the housing authority on how do we get people who um, in many cases had left school before computers were a thing and now the GED was a thing on the computer and get them to move from the welfare system to work. And what does that transition and shift look like? And we had to pull together data from social services, from the education sector, you know, in addition Mm -hmm. to public housing and actually put it all together to make it make sense to bring together a plan on how to move, which was a really hard population, Mm -hmm. you know, from this transition because of government fundings and government programs that were just literally going to go away. And so there wasn't a, we could possibly do this. No, you have to do this. And this is what has to make, you know, has to happen. And I find that sometimes we find that in business as well. It's like something's not working. We don't really know what it is, but we're like something has to give. We may not always know what that thing is. And I think data gives us that knowledge of what Mm -hmm. that thing is and helps us to really hone in on it. So, yeah, for me, it really comes a lot from that and just really coming forward with um, realizing that as a small business owner myself, Mm-hmm. I wasn't looking at data. There were, you know, there's things that we do look at. How much cash flow do I have? Right, <laughs> exactly, know? exactly. What's my bank account balance and things? Right, like, uh huh. You know, we're like, how much is that going to cost me? But there's so many other things that we do not pay attention to. Yet those are things that we need to pay attention to in order to move our businesses, in many cases, to the levels that we really do desire them to be. Without the burnout, without tons of team turnover, without all the other things that we think are, you know, problematic, and they Mm -hmm. are in and of themselves, but they're normally not the reason why we are in the situation that we are in, and our businesses are so much more than just what's in our bank accounts. Right. There's so many other factors that drive in. So for me, it was really looking at that broader umbrella of business intelligence, which large corporations use on a regular basis. Mm -hmm they take that they they want data from all different sectors right pull that together and they analyze it in order to make decisions apple is not just on a whim saying you know let's go ahead and build an iPad, you know, like these things weren't (laughs) happening, you know. So they use this business intelligence. And for me, it was like, why don't small businesses use that? And especially in this country, a small business is defined as a business less than $25 million in revenue. Wow. There's a lot of us as small business owners. And we may not have the same tools that some of the larger corporations have. And we definitely don't have as many data points. But that doesn't mean we should ignore what we do have. So right. that's where my, my passion for this came awesome. is really being able to tap into that. So we make better decisions and not so much decisions that are led by outside experiences or what Sally said, Bob said, we should do this. It's like, right. you know what? Let's take that what feels maybe intuitive and actually marry it with what is actually fact-based, database, mm-hmm. and then let those decisions come forward from that.
0: Love that, love, love, love that. So we will dive uh, into just data in just a few minutes. But what I wanna ask you is, I always start the show asking guests about a business breakthrough that they have had in their business that kind of changed the course of your business in some way.
1: Ah, I love that. So I'm actually, it's gonna be a visual for those who may not be able to see this, but- Okay. It's a picture of a bear. Interesting. Okay. (laughs) And what's interesting is on the back, it says, trust yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I was a part of a group, and um, the owner's um, sister is a wildlife photographer. And literally, there was just pictures of animals and was like, pick one. You didn't know why you were picking the one you were okay. picking. Okay. So I was drawn, though, to the bear. It was his eyes and how he was just looking. And I was like, oh, I want the bear. And okay. He was like each of them had something different on the back. So for me, my business breakthrough was when I really started to trust myself more. I found that early on in my business journey, I was totally rudderless like someone said this coach or this program or this whatever you know and it's just like amassing people and things and not even utilizing them and spending money on them I didn't even know things that I purchased I yeah I had duplicates of things I will just readily admit it okay (laughs) you know like there are so many things that I had that overlapped with other things and you're like So you have five things that do the same thing. Why? Right. And you don't use any of them. And it really, for me, the breakthrough was when I I just sat down with with myself one day and literally had that talk, that kind of share, moonstruck, slap your own self kind of conversation where you're like, what are you doing? Where are you trying to go? And how do you really want to get there? Mm -hmm. And it was like, at that point, I was like, there's so much that I already know. Right. You know, I didn't just wake up and like- You know, today I'm gonna go to law school. What's that? Legally blonde, you know, that you know, so with that being the case, it was like learning to trust myself for me was the biggest breakthrough. And since that has, you know, been my go-to, it doesn't mean I don't get coaching. It doesn't mean I don't seek out, you know, other opportunities. But it really comes back to looking again at what have I decided and what have I decided I want this business in my life to look like? Uh-huh. And does this align? Or is it something that's going to take me in a direction that doesn't make sense for me? Right. And when I've started to do that and really come back, ask myself the questions, let things sit for a while. No impulse shopping, everyone, <laughs> and and really do those things. I, that has been a major shift, and it has been a confidence boost. Which I I was just going to say that. I think that's what most of us are sometimes looking for, and it's been that confidence boost. Like, wait. I do know what the heck I'm talking about and I'm doing this and, you know, all of those things that come with that. And I think even that it's, it's a muscle for us to build, you know, every single time we're trusting ourselves more and that decision yields that fruit. And you're like, that was the result I was going for. And even if it's not the result, what lessons can I learn from it? Mm -hmm. So that in the future, I you know still trust myself but I'm also now a bit wiser about some things. So it's right. a you know something that's definitely not some people are like that's not really monumental but it was huge for me to just learn to trust myself because there's a lot of noise out there on what we could do, what we should do, how we should do it and all of the things and it creates a lot of angst and anxiety. I think yes. in a lot of people and for me in particular in trusting myself was huge.
0: I love that. And it reminds me of a blog that I read and it was titled uh, something about imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And I would say, a lot of business owners, especially women business owners, have what they title as imposter syndrome. And it's very, very common for us to not trust ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I read this blog that talked about the difference between imposter syndrome and lack of experience. Mm-hmm. So it was like, oh, interesting. So In the beginning stages of our business, oftentimes we do have that lack of experience and we do go out and we seek to educate ourselves from other business experts on this or that or whatever we feel like we lack experience in. That's not imposter syndrome. That is true, just lack of experience where we need to educate ourselves. However, after you've gone out and you've educated yourself and you're now, like in your case, you know, certified director of operations, certified online business owner. I'm, you know, certified uh, online business owner, certified master marketer, like certified in this, certified in that. It's like at some point you have to say enough.
1: Absolutely.
0: We cannot hide behind all of these business experts teaching us things. It doesn't mean that we don't need to learn and continue to educate ourselves, but we can't hide behind that anymore. We have to trust ourselves. Um, and I think that when we do that, I think for me, one of the things that helped me is I had spent like a year as a launch, uh, a launch manager coach for a big name. Mm-hmm. And it was like everything I needed to, to build my confidence. It's like, okay, I know what I'm doing now. Like I have worked with tons and tons of businesses on launching uh, their courses and I know what I'm doing now. And it was a turning point for me. So I totally relate to just having that trust in yourself and knowing that you can't just, you can't hide behind like learning from business experts all the time. At some point you have to say, I am a business expert.
1: Yes, definitely. And I'm sure with like each launch that confidence built, like that muscle right. built in you. That was I really do know this and I am really right. good at this. Yes, exactly. Yeah,
0: exactly. I love
1: that. So
0: let's start diving into data. Like I don't even honestly like know where to start because there's so much. I mean, I could go down the the route of marketing, since that is what I do, you know, like what marketing data do we need to be looking at? We, you know, can talk about what operational data we need to look at. Um, I do want to get into uh, a little bit of Google Analytics and help uh, listeners understand what that is and why that's important. So you are the expert on data. You tell us where is the best place to start and to, you know, actually start like unpacking this.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I love, though, even where you led us, because I do think that for many of us, and especially online space or not, we have a website. Like, it seems so basic. Everyone's like, what do you need to start a business? A logo and a website. Right. It's great and wonderful. But what happens on your website? Not many of us know. And that is really where Google Analytics 4 comes into play, is Mm -hmm. understanding what is happening on our website? What are people doing? Which when we start to understand that and you I'm sure relate as a marketer, it's like, oh, that impacts our customer journey. We can have a better understanding of what that is. Like look at user experience. So there's so much that the website and adding Google Analytics 4 to it can actually do for a business. And I think that's a great starting point because one of the key components of Google Analytics 4 is that it's not retroactive. So if we're, you know, today, if we have it installed today, it's going to start collecting data. It's not going to go back three months ago, two years ago from when we started our website. So Mm -hmm. the sooner we put it on, the better, even if in that beginning portion, we're not analyzing the data, we still want it to be capturing data. And again, being that it's not retroactive, we want to do that sooner rather than later. But once we've, you know, I think there's that understanding of even what is insulation of it, you know, it's like, oh, it's a code. You just put it on your website. If you have WordPress, you add this plugin. Yeah, and no. (laughs) Okay. The bare minimum is yes, you put the code on your website and yes, it is collecting data, but there's so much more that you could be finding out. So with that, you have things called enhanced measurement. So for example, scroll depth, we can figure out how far down a page someone is actually going, okay? So maybe for you, you have a website that you have a a sales page and you have this amazing video that's at 50% down. Well, with Google Analytics, you find that people are only scrolling to 25% of your website and then they're leaving. That would tell you one of two things, like let's move that video up, you know, right. and we, you know, to see what it is. And then also looking at some of that copy to say, what is it that's not grabbing them and pulling them in? That they're only going a quarter of the way down and saying, see you later, alligator. So right. you really want to understand Are people scrolling 25%, 50%? Are they getting to 90% which Google considers like your entire site, they've consumed that page? Mm -hmm. What does that look like? So you have things like that are built in like scroll depth which is super helpful. You can track video views, like how long has someone been on that site? But you can also turn those into conversions. So maybe you have a conversion for people who do scroll 90% of your website. Okay. Because of the fact that, and just a little total nerd out moment for those that might have had universal analytics or you're like, what's the difference? The difference is universal analytics was cookie based. And I don't mean chocolate chip. Okay. <laughs> so with that being the case, you know, it was cookie based, whereas GA4 is not. So it's more device based. And so it's looking at where people, um, and, I'm sorry, it's cookie-less. So with that being the case though, we all surf the internet differently now. We might okay. be on a desktop that we follow that up on you know, our iPad, and but then we're on Amazon because we've already added stuff to our cart and we're out shopping and we're like, you know what, let me just go ahead and complete this purchase now. And so previously, Universal Analytics would have counted your desktop is you, is one person, your iPad is a whole nother person, your phone is another person. So you were like, ah. oh, I had three people. No, you had Lori, Lori, and Lori. Okay.
0: <laughs> okay. okay.
1: It's like, well, how was I supposed to know? And there really wasn't a way for them to know, again, because we were tracking cookies and we were like, everything had its own cookie and all the things. Well, now we don't have that. And GDPR and all the things, iOS 14, Oh, you know, you want cookies, you're going to have to bake them now because like everyone's doing away with cookies. So with that being the case though, now we're able to say, wait a minute, that's Lori on her iPhone, that's Lori on her iPad, and that's Lori on her desktop. So now we know this is part of Lori's journey. Lori is multi-device person mm-hmm. she might be doing things on different devices but all of them are still Lori so we're counting that as one not right. counting right. that as three which is super helpful for those of us who are like can these numbers actually be accurate <laughs> you know right so with that being the case so with that changeover it's meant that things that used to be tracking universal analytics, like conversions weren't conversions that they are now. And then events are a whole new thing, which wasn't even a thing in Universal Analytics because Google could not make a new product and actually keep some of the things that you already were tracking. That'd be too much like, right. So they added in totally new things. So one of them is events. So that whole thing of like someone scrolling to 90% of your website, you can count that as an event on your site. And it's like, so, hey, we've had... Five hundred people who have completed this event. Mm, okay, but you can also say you have a sign up on your to um, so sign up for your newsletter. You can count that as an event. Anytime mm-hmm. someone completes this form, okay, so you're like, oh, so I have this as an event. There's so many different things that you can actually now. Um, create as events to have even more data and have more specific data to what it is you're looking for. Maybe you have a very, um, it's a landing page and you're like, I don't have a need Kiva for tons of pages on my website, it's like this, and this is all I'm looking for is how many people are signing up for this, you know, newsletter of mine. And then I want to understand some segmentation of how many of my newsletter subscribers are actually coming back to my website and, you know, reading something because of a blog I posted, whatever. And it's like, you can actually now start to segment your audience in those kinds of ways where it's like people who spend, You know, people who scroll to 90% plus are newsletter subscribers plus um, they spent more than two minutes on the site. Okay. You know, like that can be a whole new group now. You can call them whatever you like, you know, and then you could have a different group. People who scroll to 50% of my website are not newsletter subscribers and spend five minutes on my site or two minutes or a minute. So you can start to do things to have more data points of what is happening on your, from your customer's experience on your website and more things that you can start to determine where do i make some changes what are things that i could tweak what are mm-hmm. things that you know for some of us if you're service-based you might want to understand like what's your lead conversion rate like how many people are coming to your site how many then are booking a call how many then are actually turning into customers what does that look like for you and is there something in those people who come and then book a call, where do they go? Do they come straight to your homepage? Do they go straight to your booking page? How do they come into your ecosphere that Mm -hmm. is your website? So it's way more robust than Universal Analytics was. And then there's like custom reports that you can create, um, cost per lead, um, your churn rate, customer lifetime value, engagement with your content. Like People who spend two minutes on your blog versus people who spend five or 10. Right. There's something there that you might want to explore a little further. Um, if you're an e-commerce business, business, like average order value, if you've ever watched Shark Tank, like <laughs> seriously, <laughs> you know, Mr. Wonderful is going to ask you, like, well, what is your <laughs> average order value, you know? And right, right. Like, things of that sort. What kind of cart abandonments taking place? Yeah. Um, uh, again, you still have a customer lifetime value there. So really even looking at your product performance, you know, are there certain uh, products that you sell in your e-commerce store that get a heck of a lot more hits, but mm-hmm. maybe there's something that gets a lot of attention that you don't even advertise or you don't even, you know, draw people to that. So how are they getting there? Because right. that's something that you're like, I need to know how they're getting here so I can talk to those people a lot sooner in the journey and get even more people here. So there's so much that is um, capable of being uh, set up in Google Analytics 4. So I say all that, and I know if some of you are glazing your eyes over and ready. Yeah, I
0: was just going to say, like, (laughs) let's talk about just maybe like the five basic um, things that if you're, let's just, I'm going to assume that most of the listeners are new to data, new to Google Analytics. I know I use Google Analytics and I look at it every month. But when you talk about some of the things you're talking about, I'm like, oh my gosh, (laughs) like I'm not doing that. I'm doing the basics. How many people are visiting my website? What pages are they on? Uh, Where are they coming from? From a social media standpoint, are they search? Like what is, but tell me, like what would be the basics that someone could start with, uh, in, in tracking.
1: Yes. And you named all the great ones, like literally what pages are getting the most traffic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We want to know that. Okay. And again, in that setup, you literally just toggle a button to have the enhanced measurements, you're automatically going to get also now that scroll depth and some other features. So you can also add those in as some basics that you definitely want to look at, especially depending on how your website's set up, obviously, this is um, specific to that. Um, I think, you know, how many visitors, how much time are they spending on your website? You know, What's the average... Yeah, that's such a good question. And it really does vary per, they say, like industry and things of that sort. But if you're, I think it's around two minutes ish, you know, which doesn't, I mean, unfortunately, we're in such a society with information overload. Like, if you, but it also depends on like what's on your site, you know, there's some sites that are very robust. Like, I worked for a client who, oh my goodness, 2014. 2013, like she was in the financial space and she had blog posts back to like 2013, 2014. She was like, we teased her. She was like an OG in that space. And it was like, we were still getting hits on things that she had literally 20 years ago, 2014, you know, like I, it is forever ago. And that was very interesting to us. Um, and 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 that's something that we use because for example she had written a post on like back to school stuff and you would think that that would change over the years the SEO was so good on it like it was still popping up and it was like oh people are still finding this and so we did an update on it and we created you know a new post but it was also based on the fact that there's so much traffic that's driven to this. We want to give people something a bit more up-to-date. So we actually add it to the old post, the existing one, We added a uh, lead magnet and, you know, we, so we were able to collect like obviously new people who weren't on her email list. Right. and, And that was very, it was super helpful and it helped us grow the list and it had, we were able to start tracking where those people came in from. So, you know, like, and how long from that time that they came onto her site and signed up for the newsletter before they came into one of her paid programs. And you know, it started to give us some uh, insights into right. what is taking place. So all that to say, you definitely want to look at um, what sites, what pages people are coming to, you mm-hmm. know, look at also, like you said, where's the traffic attribution coming from? Are they coming from social break that down though? Like if you right. go into Google analytics, you don't want to just look at source. You want to look at source and medium, you know? So are they coming from Facebook? Are they coming from um, Pinterest, you know, mm-hmm. whatever the source is. And then ask yourself, where am I spending my time versus where are these people coming yes. from? <laughs> yes. You know, because if you're spending your time on um,
0: Instagram, for, Instagram instance, for instance, and everything's coming from LinkedIn.
1: Yeah. It's like, hello, there's a mismatch here. You think you want to change where you spend your time? And I think that's one of the things that data definitely does. It's like, if that's not, if Instagram is not where, you It's not driving traffic to your site or is not driving traffic that converts to your site. You know, right. this same client, whenever she would do an event, Instagram actually drove the most traffic to the landing page. Hmm. The email list actually drove the most buyers to the, <laughs> to okay. the event, you know? Makes and sense. So, Makes sense. Yeah. So we would actually parse that out. So it was like, then we was like, oh, let's talk to the email list a bit more about these things because these are your ride or die, you know, and they're like, oh, you're having something, here's my money, take it. And we like that. So... (laughs) you want to understand like if instagram is not driving in the traffic that converts to your site and it is a linkedin or it is a facebook or whatever that's where you need to start to think about where do you spend your time and your energy and your resources on those other platforms so understanding where that traffic source attribution is coming from is really important um looking at how long people spend on your site i think also um Looking at, it, there's, um, it's a path funnel and it really, it graphically shows you, you know, people who come in, maybe they come to your homepage and where do they go after that? And then what's the drop off for each of those? Mm-hmm. So you can start to see, because some people might come, since we talked about Instagram, maybe you have a link in bio, a link tree, one of those things that people are coming in that way. Where do they go after that? Right. You know, um, or in what happens like do they come from instagram go to your like link in bio and that took them to i don't know let's say a blog and then after that do they continue their exploration of mm-hmm. your content or do they say thank you I'm gone and right. they walk back out you know so what does that look like so really looking at the path funnel i think that was another one that's just super helpful just Again, it's a whole graphic that they just show you where people are going and they let you know where the fall offs are. So if there's a hundred people who come into the homepage and 75 of them go to your about page, um Mm -hmm. and then we see 25 go from your about page to your um contact page let's call it you know then let's start what what happened with those 50 people like is there something that we can change on our about page was there something about it that wasn't moving them to move forward. And then also the question is, I think sometimes we look at what happened to those who disappeared, but hey, what happened with those 25? Like what was it that actually drew them and kept them entertained and interested or whatever it is your, your site does from the beginning to that contact page, you know, cause there was something positive in that too. And I want to not for people not to lose that as well. So, right. Again, so looking at how many pages, um, you know, like what pages people come to, how much time they're spending, where that traffic is coming from, super duper important. And then just understanding the path that they take when they're on your site. Okay. Because sometimes the path that we think they should take, because that's how we designed our site. is not
0: Right. (laughs) It's not exactly.
1: Yeah. Very true. Again, why data is important. So one of the
0: questions, and this might be outside your scope. Um, and I don't even know if Google analytics does this, but I know Google analytics tracks like organic search. How do we know, or how do we find out what keywords are people using to find, are they searching on to find your website? Right. Is that something that Google Analytics looks at or do we have to go to another tool like, for instance, Uber Suggest, or uh, I don't know?
1: Google Search Console, you want to make sure that that's connected to your website and then that can actually feed into your Google Analytics. Google, so Search, Google Search, Console, Search Console. OK. Yeah. And so once that's set up, you have to... Um, verify your website, you know, so there is like a little code you'll need to put in a header. But once that's done, you can then start to see like, what are those keywords? And you can pull that feeds into your GA4. And so you can definitely pull that up and look at what those search terms are. Um, And then you can also just even take a deeper dive into Google Search Console, um, just to look Further into how people are getting there. But yeah, that's definitely another way to just gather more information because, Mm -hmm. yeah, organic is like, okay, but what does that mean? (laughs) Right, exactly, exactly.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I I mean,
1: also just thinking for people, I think one thing that they you'll see what's called like direct traffic, you know, and you're like, what is that? And it's just, you know, obviously people who went directly to your website, but sometimes it can be something else. But anyway, you know, so you'll see that and you're like, Okay, how many people are really just typing my website in? But you know, you also have like the traffic that's not set. And it's like, sometimes for some people that number's higher than anything. And that's where you should really start to utilize like UTM links and you know, for a lot of your, um, if you're putting a lot of content out there, you wanna start maybe again, like we were talking about LinkedIn, like if you're putting posts on LinkedIn and you want to drive that traffic back to your website, you want to go ahead and use a UTM link so that you know specifically and you can classify it and give it a source and a medium and all those things so that you know where that traffic came from. The same with like your email newsletter. If you have links in that, you should definitely UTM them and that will bring down that not set, you know, to mm-hmm. make it actually fit into a category. You will never do totally away with the not sets. So I I do caution people, like, you're going to see those. Don't freak out. You know, there's just some things that they're not able to keep track of. People use VPNs, all kinds of things that happen that just make attribution harder. So you really just want to um, get comfortable with also seeing the not sets. But yeah, as much as you can... Understanding the search words for like through Google search console and understanding like UTMs to actually just make sure that things are as um, narrowed down and refined as possible to help you with understanding attribution.
0: Yeah, I have a quick uh, little story to uh, share <coughs> about uh, keywords.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So I was just diving into the data on my website and I noticed that there was a particular keyword and I don't remember what the keyword was, but it was something so off the wall and so completely unrelated to my business. And I was getting tons of traffic to my website from this ridiculous keyword. Well, I tracked it back to a blog post that I had written
1: uh-huh.
0: <laughs> that had that keyword in it. And I was like, okay, <laughs> this blog post has to go. <laughs> <Exactly>. like, <laughs> because I it was that. just driving all this completely unrelated traffic to, to my website, which skews the data.
1: Absolutely. I have one like that on bras. I did on bras? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I took my daughter bra shopping and like the experience though was definitely some stuff that was related to business and I think my podcast is something like Bras and Business and just based on the podcast transcript, I get a lot of traffic for people looking for bras and they're highly (laughs) disappointed. And you know, when they get there, there's no bras for sale. (laughs) There's no bra pictures. There's no bras anywhere. But you're absolutely right. There's that's a reason sometimes to really look in and, and use some of these other tools that will, um, whether it's AI or something else, help us create titles, um, long tail keywords and things that are actually more, that are better for SEO than mm-hmm. just maybe some of the things that we're thinking about. Because I'm sure if that time I would have probably, I don't, Chat GPT didn't exist in my life, but I'm sure if I would have put what I was thinking, it probably would have given me a much better title than bras and business, which <laughs> disappointed a lot of people. but that is such a good point of just understanding like where's the spike in traffic coming from right and, you know because sometimes hey, it could be something else like we were someone we you know know came across our content and they shared it with their people and it's like, oh wow, I had no idea. Or it could be that people are looking for bras and other obscure keywords. And that's exactly so, but you have no idea if you don't look. And, and that's, I think the, the main point I'd love to drive home is like, just look people do not right. be afraid to look, do not be afraid to, um, to know your numbers. And I think mm-hmm. knowing your numbers Financially is one thing. And I think even in that, we can always dig a lot deeper than some of us do. But also understanding what your numbers are for the rest of your business and how those things definitely fit together, like puzzle pieces, um, to give you just a more holistic look at what is the health of your business? What is the direction of your business and where is it going? And is that where you want it? to go right Uh, you know I think that's really like know your numbers
0: yeah so let's talk just a little bit uh, Mm -hmm. about that so I always recommend that business owners are keeping a monthly at least a monthly at the minimum metrics sheet right and there are so many different numbers that you can track Mm -hmm. that are important, some more important than others. If someone is just starting out and they want to start a monthly metrics sheet of important metrics for them to pay attention to in their business, what would you recommend are the data points that they should be uh, looking at?
1: Yeah, I love that question. I think just starting out, it's all about marketing and sales, like really Mm -hmm. understanding How many leads are you attracting? How many of those leads are you converting? Um, Okay. And and what does that, and what do those conversions, what are they worth? You know, because depending on what you offer in your business, you might have more than one product or service, and so – are you attracting the leads that are converting for your hundred dollar offer versus the leads that are converting for your thousand dollar offer? Okay. Um, and you know, so understanding there what your lead pipeline looks like because your lead pipeline is right now that's your oxygen, that's your your bread, your butter, that's your everything for that business to continue to grow. So really focusing on where your leads coming from. How Mm -hmm. many of them are there? How many people are booking calls with you? And what is your conversion rate from those calls to actual sales? Okay. Um, I would, you know, totally just stay there if I'm honest. I know some people are a bit more, um, uh, what's the word, um, adventurous maybe. So they might want to track more if you're going to track more, um, your newsletter, you know, looking at what your open rates are, what are your click-through rates, um, if you're putting links to things. I think that that's actually something that's important because is your message resonating with those who are on your list um, and and what does that look like? Um, I think the other thing would be just monitoring your money, like really mm-hmm. understanding, you know, what's in the bank. Um, for me, I encourage a lot of people like follow profit first, like whether you have that particular version, um, Donald Miller and his uh, grow your small business has a similar version of, you know, like his accounts or calls some things, whatever it is for you, um, understanding what it is to pay yourself understanding what it is to set aside for taxes and um, you know what are the operating expenses for your business, like keeping track of what it is that you Mm spend. Because if we go back to the beginning, like you do not want to have in your inbox, your Google workspace, your whatever, five different tools that all do the same thing that you paid for because someone said it's a lifetime deal and you just, in your lifetime, you're not going to use them. (laughs) And so really understanding what are your expenditures? And in the beginning, doing your darndest to keep them low. Right. Yeah, you know, and I think sometimes that's, um, it's hard because there's so many things and it's like kid in a candy store and everyone makes you feel like you need to have all of these things. Put together your list of the nice to haves and mm-hmm. those are your goals for where you're going to get in your business, but really understanding in the beginning we're trying to really calculate, the, you know, track these monies and make sure that they are doing the things that they need to do. But yeah, but honestly, in the beginning, just focusing on the, the your lead pipeline mm-hmm. is where people should put that energy. Because if you don't have leads, you don't have a business. Like if you right. don't have people trying to buy whatever it is, then you can't convert you can't convert air into money. Like, right. And, and <laughs> so with that being the case, really focusing on where where's your customers coming from? And that right. I think is, I don't know if we always put the energy in that at the beginning of the business that we really should. Um, I think people think marketing and they think more branding and I need a logo and I, I need this or that. And it's like. No, you need people with money who are going to pay you for what <laughs> yes. it is that you're yes. trying to do. You know, like exactly. I, I don't think they give <laughs> a doggone about your logo. Like if they were trapped in a room and they couldn't describe it, no one cares. If they're they're their money. Clear the bank and you make it to your account. Like that's what we're talking about. That money yes. is is oxygen. That is how your business breathes and you need to understand what that is. So whether it's the actual money or the potential money, which is those leads, that is really where I think people should fit, spend their focus in the beginning until that is a um, a predictable kind of mm-hmm. system and you have it and it's like, Okay, the leads are coming in. I'm converting because you might find you're getting a lot of leads, but you're not getting a lot of sales. So, what right. what needs to change in there? That right there is a data point. If right. you've had 50 calls and you've only converted two people, is there something in your sales pitch and something in your conversation for sales? Are you afraid to ask for the money? Um, is it your proposal process? Like, where's the hiccup, the giddy up that's causing this problem? And right. I think that, you know, making sure that that is worked out and that is predictable then you can start looking at some of these other things Um, and you're right there's there's no shortage of things that we can track exactly you know it's like spending time there in the beginning and i think as a business grows it's okay to understand you may you may not be or your team may not be the people to look at this your team is doing other things don't be afraid like bring someone in on a fractional capacity who just meets with you once a month to go over your data. Hey, this is what I'm seeing. This is the report I've prepared for you and your team, and this is my these are my recommendations. Like and then you and your team decide like, hey, this is hey, we like this recommendation, we don't like this. Like don't feel that there's so much and I don't know, so you just don't look at it. I'd right. rather you partner with someone who works with you to whether it's create yourself a you know a dashboard if you like the visuals but even with a dashboard if no one's looking at the dashboard it serves no purpose it's right right pretty thing so really don't feel that um you can't reach out and say hey what do you do like on a monthly basis to consult with me around this is this is the data, like, you know, just dump right. it and say this is it and make that other person, someone like myself or others, you know, colleagues who do this, to be the ones to decipher that. And that's, they're reading it for you and giving it back to you and yes. telling you some things. And then you can still go ahead and make those decisions, but you now have this piece that adds to your decision-making process.
0: Yes. And the last thing I want to say about data that I think is important because I run into this a lot. I think it's really important for you to know what is the norm or the average um, of a particular data point. Mm. I get this all the time, especially in launches. Someone has, you know, 400 people on their email list and they they want to convert, you know, 50 people to to buy their product. Mm-mm. It's just not realistic. Yeah. It doesn't happen. There are very specific numbers, you know, conversion rate numbers like it and you know, yes, there are range, you know, one to five percent, for instance, will buy, you know, of, uh, of the people that open emails and then, you know, average op- email open rate is X. Right. So educate yourself um, with business experts that know those kind of numbers so that you're not setting unrealistic goals in your business. And so you're so you're not um, thinking that you're failing Uh, In business, there's just so much that you know. The data tells us, but if we don't know what is the norm and the average, we don't know how to interpret the data.
1: Absolutely, and I love that you touched on that. I feel that there's so much of that, especially in the online space. Like you, oh, so and such had this, such and such lot. And they have 100,000 people on their list that they've nurtured for 25 years. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) And and you have 400 that you've been talking to for three months. Right. You know, like compare apples to apples and oranges to oranges. And that doesn't mean that there might not be, you know, a fluke that happens. And you, you hit the market at just the right time with the right offer that everybody and their mama and their cousin needs. And they do sign up. Right, But don't think that's going to be the norm. And I love that you say that because I think we set ourselves up with these um, false expectations and we're hard on ourselves and we're down on ourselves when in reality it's like, this is your first time launching this whatever it is and you actually had two people wanting to give you money let's have a party and celebrate that because that's actually huge and that you even put yourself out there to do that you know and then what iterations can we make so the next time you have 22 people you know right exactly being realistic like you said and not thinking like i have i don't know 20 people on my email list and 18 of them are going to buy.
0: Right. (laughs) Um, Probably not. (laughs) Yeah, probably not. Yeah. So tell listeners how they can work with you. Like, you know, like, what does that, uh, what does that look like?
1: Yeah, definitely. So um, there's a few ways that I do have, you know, work, that I work with clients. Um, One is I typically start with the strategic intensive where we're really just getting into the nitty gritty of your business, understanding what is going on, what are you tracking, not tracking, you know, what would you like to track, what would your money like to look like, just to see where you're going and have um, just a fuller understanding of the business. And I think Mm -hmm. that's one thing that doesn't always happen, which is, again, like kind of that over arching umbrella of business intelligence, like there's so much of this that's interconnected. So that's one way that I start because I I need to know all the things. (laughs) And then um, also, you know, from there, typically we go into a consulting agreement where I have some clients who it's literally once a month, Kiva, here's our data. You know, I have access to their Google Analytics 4 and all their various things. And it's like, I'm going in and it's like, oh, look at this, look at that. So I'm that person who's actually doing the looking, giving the report, meeting with the owner, to, and sometimes a team member to talk about, Hey, this is what I'm seeing. Like, you know, in understanding that, I don't know what you guys are doing on a day-to-day basis, but when you did whatever it was this particular day, there was this, what did y'all do? <laughs> you know, right. like, mm-hmm. oh, Okay, we did this. Oh, okay. Y'all need to do more of that. You know, right. or it's like, don't ever do that again. So really have <laughs> that understanding, you know, of what that looks like of just someone else to be that person to be the one to look at the data and report back um and then also just yeah i i do general consulting um you know in that data and operations space and um just working with clients who they have a lot of great obvious things that are going on and and a lot of times they want someone else to keep them accountable moving them forward with the things they need to execute and people want a thought partner um someone who cares about their business um you know you're never going to care as much as that you know person and we shouldn't as service providers want to care more than they do because we can't do anything it's not ours but you know someone who they can actually um have those conversations with that can give them insight give them things to think through challenge them on some of their thoughts and um so yeah my my clients seem to like that part of me and they're like you make me think about things that i wasn't thinking about i'm like right okay that's good (laughs) that's a good thing thing. so you know but yeah that's how i work with people and um i absolutely love it uh in in the clients that i get to work with and and it's been a range of people you know like wonder i i have a management consulting firm that they have full-on employees all over the world and and you know but you know there's seven figure business and We go through their things because I think that's the thing too, like you just shared about expectations. Like I think people think that when you get to a certain level, oh, I've made seven figures. Like that doesn't mean you're going to have all of these parts and bits and pieces in place. There are still going to be things that your business needs. Like I worked with the same client to set up SOPs. Like we literally did an intensive with them to develop 20 of them over a four month period because... They were starting to scale and they realized there's some holes there's some gaps there's some things that we needed so i think that's another expectation setting for people Is like your business is going to grow you know what that beginning looks like is revising sops or creating sops or you know doing something else that you're like aren't i beyond this no, you're not <laughs> you know, right. so understanding that for that expectation. But yeah, that's how okay. I work with people and it. It's um, you know, it, it's, it's been good and I'm grateful. <laughs> awesome.
0: So I'm going to drop an, uh, a link in the show notes. Uh, Kiva also has a uh, little freebie called harness the data. Yeah. So if you want to just kind of get introduced to her work, um, you know, in with relatively uh, low investment, like free, <laughs> then uh, you can uh, download uh, that, uh, that little uh, guide. Yeah. So I want to end the show on a completely different uh, topic.
1: Okay. <laughs> I just
0: want to ask you what TV show podcast book are you currently binging oh, that you that- would recommend?
1: That's such a good one. Um, honestly, I have it's literally Donald Miller's "How to Grow Your Small Business." Okay, um, I was a little skeptical, I'll admit, <laughs> before diving into it, but I think he makes such a good case, and I think so many of us get some of the steps. He compares it to building an airplane. Okay. And I think we get some of the pieces out of order and it's actually been, it's an easy read. I started it on Audible and then I actually, like you ever listen to an Audible book and you're like, wait, I need notes. What, what, what is this? And so it's like, then you go buy the book too. You're like, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, that's the one right now. Um, in okay. terms of, um, a book. Um, But yeah, and I did just finish, though, Painkiller on (gasps) on Netflix. I
0: saw that. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Yeah, So heartbreaking.
1: So heartbreaking. And also, daggone upsetting in this. Yes. How do we get to the end? And we won't spoil it for y'all, but corporate greed is a nasty thing, is what I'll say. So Yes. um, So,
0: yes, definitely. Painkiller is about the opioid uh, crisis in, yes. in our world.
1: Yeah. So, so I'm starting you, Dope Sick on Hulu, which people say tells the same, it's the same story. Okay. Of opioids and Oxycontin, but they say it's told differently and better. So I, you it's know, called Dope Sick. Dope, dope Sick as in.
0: Oh, Dope Sick. Okay. Got mm-hmm.
1: it. Yeah. Um, and that's on Hulu. So I just started that last night and um, yeah, but it, it and it's, a bit more specific as to where they started, and more of the thinking because it's apparently, mm. I think, based off of a book on the Sackler family. So, got it's, it. It's definitely, um, like you said, it's it's hard not to- an
0: easy, easy watch, but no. it is uh, highly informative.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Um, yeah, yeah. So. so, anyway, thank you, Kiva, so much for being here. I really appreciated everything that we uh, talked about uh, today.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Lori. And I'm so excited for your podcast and all of those that you are going to impact. So congratulations.
0: Thank you. Thank you. That's a wrap on today's episode. Thanks for listening to the Boosting Business Breakthroughs podcast. Want to hear more business breakthrough ideas? I'll be back next week with a new episode to help you grow your coaching business. If you enjoyed listening, make sure you subscribe, leave us a rating, and tell all your coach friends where to find us. Head over to BoostingBusinessBreakthroughs.com to learn more. Thanks for listening, and remember, your next business breakthrough is waiting for you.